Psalm 139 is where we're going to go. Psalm 139, and thank you, Brother Colson, for helping us in the reading of that passage of Scripture. David is the human instrument that God used to write this book, probably at a difficult time in his life. And yet he gives his opinion of God. Can I say something? I want you to listen to this statement. I heard it recently. It's not one that I made up, but I heard it, and it really, it it, uh, rattled me. The most important thing about you and I is what happens in our mind when we think about God. The most important thing about you and I is what response you have in your mind when you and I think about God. I'll just tell you, not everybody has the same thoughts. Some people have produced a God of their own understanding. I've heard people say that my God is a doorknob. I worship nature. I worship myself. They they come up with gods of their own devices, their own minds. But friend, that is very detrimental to your life when you don't understand who the real God is. Now, God has revealed himself. God tells us who he is, how he thinks in the pages of your Bible. Is it any wonder why it is so difficult to read the Bible, to study the Bible, to meditate in the Bible? Because the devil knows if he can keep you away from your Bible, he can keep you away from your understanding of who God is. That's why God admonished us to grow in grace and in the what? Knowledge of our Savior, Jesus Christ. God wants you to grow in Him. In Jeremiah and Isaiah, it reminds us, if anyone's going to glory or brag about anything, brag about how much you know about God. Do you know the real God? Do you know His attributes? Do you know what he says and what he wants? You know, God is a God who wants to dictate your sexuality. He doesn't give you that choice. He wired you and he dictates that. He has an opinion about public policy. God has an opinion about how the world came into existence. He has an opinion about evolution. He has an opinion about creation. He has an opinion what a nuclear family is. He already stated his opinion. I don't have to tell. I can tell you my opinion. But if I differ with God, if I differ with God, my arms are too short to box with him. He makes the rules. I don't make any rules. This is not my word. The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof, the world and all they that dwell therein. God has revealed himself. He's revealed himself in creation. He's revealed himself in your conscience. He's revealed himself in the circumstances of your life. He's revealed himself in his son, Jesus Christ. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He sent Jesus, the body of God. You say, what does God look like? He looks like his son. His son looks like his. He is the image of God in human form. He reveals himself 
uh, through the canon of scriptures, through the word of God. But boy, we live in a world, you say, well, the way I feel about it, listen, Spanky, it doesn't matter. If I give you say, well, here's my, here's my perspective, here's how I feel, apart from the Bible, I'm just whistling in the wind. God has revealed himself, and he wants us to know him. He wants to know you intimately. He says to us, and while he was here, Jesus said these words, Come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden. I will give you rest. Many of us, we need rest. You know, this world is not in rest, and it will never be in rest until the Lord Jesus is in charge. All the civil unrest, you know why? We've gotten farther and farther away from the God of the Bible. Injustices are because we've gotten away from God. God is not a respecter of persons. He loves everybody. Yes, black lives matter. Yes, uh, white lives matter. Yes, everybody matters to God. Injustices need to be dealt with, but the reason we have so many of them is because we've gotten away from the moorings. There's too much noise inside of the average human being. There's a lot of noise, there's a lot of fear, there's a lot of challenges, there's, a, there's no authority. They've been taught, whatever feels good, you do it. Some of them have been taught that God is not in the equation. You evolved over millions and millions of years, and, and you were once an amoeba beginning to begin, and then you were a frog with your tail tucked in, then you were a monkey in a banyan tree, and now you're a professor with a Ph.D., <laughs> And you just evolved from, from nothingness into something and from simplicity into complexity. And God had nothing to do with it. You came from a monkey and you wonder why sometimes we act like it. We like like an animal, just chew each other up. Fight, bite, kill, destroy. Why? Because we have, we have no accountability. And by the way, one of the biggest challenges of evolution, if it takes God out of the origin in the people's mind, it takes them out of accountability. If you don't recognize him as your creator, and by the way, our, our, our founding fathers did. You don't have to look very far in the Constitution or in the preamble and you, or in the, 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 the um, Declaration of Independence. It tells us we are endowed by our creator. People understood it back then that we don't believe that now. We've allowed all the, the poppycod and all the, the, the science, so-called science that is not science, to tell us, oh, yo, this is not real science. I don't think the average scientist knows what they're talking about. There is no empirical evidence of creation. There's no empirical uh, evidence of evolution. But one has to acknowledge God. The other one tries to disband God from any origins. Why? Because they, want, they do not want to be accountable to him. But in these passages of Scripture, God gives us things about him. It's going to talk about his omniscience. That means that he knows everything. He's going to talk about his omnipresence, that he is everywhere. He's going to talk about his omnipotence, that he can do anything. 
He's all-powerful. It's going to lead us to a place of worship. And your opinion of God and my opinion of God is going to determine my worship and my behavior and my purpose. The reason people live such low, insignificant, rebellious, frustrated existence is because they have a very low opinion of God. The people run around with their hair on fire, scared of their own shadow, is because they don't understand how big God is and that he loves them. These are problems I have and you have. Now, I can have the knowledge of God, but I have to ha exercise in reality of what he says. But your opinion and my opinion of God will determine uh, how I live for him, how I acknowledge him. In Isaiah chapter 6 one of the prophets, he loved Uzziah the king. He was strong. He was a great king. He had reigned for many years. He had increased tremendously and was greatly blessed of the Lord. And he forgot his blessings. He forgot his, his boundaries. And he went ahead and lived in such a way that he didn't die very well. But when he died, Isaiah said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. You live like an idiot because you don't understand how big of a God you got. He said, when I saw the, high, the Lord high lifted up, then I saw myself and I said, whoa, it's me. Wow, that's God. Whoa, that's me. I got issues. I got problems. And it caused him to separate himself and it caused him to yield himself. When God says, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? He said, here am I. Send me. I think the reason young people and older people do not surrender themselves to the Lord is because they don't see the Lord in his rightful place. They don't see him. They don't trust him. And that's why they're, they're, they're making sure that they build their own security apart from God. The only thing about the will of God you and I ought to be afraid about is missing out on it. Not doing what God wants us to do. The Bible tells us that I have not seen, nor ear heard, nor entered to the heart of man the things God's prepared for those that love him. Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 6, he says, Without faith in God, it's impossible to please God. But you're not going to put faith in a God you don't understand, you don't know. The reason we don't put faith in we don't understand who he is. He's, did you hear what I said a while ago? He's all-powerful. He's omniscient. Nothing has ever occurred to you that nothing ever occurred to God. He knows everything. He is everywhere. You can't go to a closet dark enough. You can't go to the sea deep enough. You can't go to the sky high enough to avoid his presence. Can you trust a God? He said, without faith, it's impossible to please a God like that. But him that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he will reward you and I if we'll diligently seek and put our faith in him. That's our challenge today. Let's look at, let's look at Psalm 139. Let's just walk through it. Can we look at verse number one? Read it out loud with me. Are you ready? O Lord, thou hast searched me. He says, first of all, Lord, you have looked at me and you know me. Verse number two, thou knowest my downsitting. You know my trials, my, my heartaches. The, he knows you intimately. You know the, the difficult times of my life. I don't know, not know what that would be for you. I don't know if it is as a child, you went through a very traumatic time. I don't know if it's that divorce, that infidelity. I don't know if it's that that breakup of your, of your business or that 
bankruptcy. I don't know what it is, but he says, God, you know my difficult downsitting. You know when I was put on my backside. You know when I was hurting really bad. Does he know that? Yes. Does he care? Yes. Look at the next thing. He says, you know my downsitting and you know my uprising. You know my triumphs. You know the worst days of my life. You know the best days of my life. Thou understandeth my thought afar off. He said, not only do you know my trials and my triumphs, you know my thoughts. That thought you're thinking about right now, God knows about it. That good thought and that negative thought, that nasty thought and that pure thought, God knows about it. He knows exactly what went across the neurons of your mind just a few moments ago. All things are naked and open to the eyes of him with whom we have to see. He knows how you feel about God. He knows how you feel about other people. He knows how you feel about yourself. He says, Lord, you're omniscient. You know my low points. You know my high points. You know my thoughts. Even my distant thoughts are as clear to you as they can be. Look at the verse number three. Read it out loud with me, would you please? Thou compassest my path. He says, Lord, you know my trip. You know my journey. He says, you've been on my path with me. You've been on my path of lying down, which speaks of luxury and, and rest and relaxation, but you've also been with me in difficult, mundane times. So he says, God, Lord, you really, you know my trials and my triumphs. You know my thoughts. You know my trip, my journey that we've gone through. You know the ups and downs of my life. He doesn't, there's not anything. Young man, young lady, married couple, senior adult, six-year-old, teenager, whether you live in Chicago or you live in, in Hebron, whether you live in Lowell or you live in Calumet City, whether you're married, you're not married, God knows you. He knows your low times, your high times. He knows your, your journey. He knows your thoughts. And then lastly, the Bible says, verse number four, there is not a word in my tongue. He knows your tongue. He knows what you said. But lo, the Lord, thou knowest it all together. Thou hast beset me behind and before and laid thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's out of my comprehension. It's high. I cannot attain to it. What he's saying, he says, Lord, when I evaluate your life and I evaluate who you are and what you know, it is so over my head. Such knowledge is just beyond my ability to get my head around. You know, who, you know what kind of God the Bible says he is? He's an all-knowing God. And he knows you intimately. He knows what color you like. He knows what flavor of ice cream that hits your taste bud just right. There is nothing about you that he does not know. Know you intimately. You can't have a secret with God. He said the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord and he pondereth all of his goings. He said a man directeth his way, but the Lord pondereth his steps. He knows. That's the kind of God the Bible tells us. He's a God who is omniscient. He knows everything. The next verses tell us that he's omnipresent. Can we look at that real quickly? Verse 7. He asked a rhetorical question that does not need an answer. Read it with me, would you please? Whether shall I go from thy spirit? Lord, where can I go to get away from you? Whether can I go from your, your presence or where can I flee where your spirit does not come near me? He said, uh, that's the question. He doesn't even bother to answer, but let's see what he answers here. Verse number eight. 
He says here, he says, if I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my way, my bed in hell, and that's speaking of death or the grave, thou art there. Verse number nine, if I take the wings of the morning, I go to the east. That's where the sun rises, and I just go as far as I can to the east. Or, I dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea. That's the Mediterranean Sea that he's talking about, that I go west. He said, behold, thou art there. Verse number 10, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me wherever I go. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be a light unto me, yea, the darkness hideth not from thee. But the night shineth as the day, and the darkness as the light are both alike unto thee. He begins to say that where is God? Where can I go where I can get away from you? Where could I go where your spirit, if I go north, if I go south, if I go east or I go west, wherever I go, you're there. And he speaks about, first of all, in heavens. That's where God lives. And that's where you want to live. If you're saved today, you're going to spend eternity in heaven. You ought to start living that way. If you're not saved, you're not sure if you were to die, you'd go to heaven. Don't leave this room without that knowledge. God wants you to know that. If you're saved, you need to get baptized. You need to follow the Lord. But may I say to you, he speaks with eternity. He said, if, if, if somebody, uh, he goes, if you go into eternity, God's there. At death, as a child of God, you're never more with God than when you die. The world is trying to get us, the Satan is trying to get us, and yourself are trying to get you afraid of dying. You know what God says about that? Precious in the sight of the Lord of the death of his saints. Now, God says, you know what, I don't want you to be afraid of dying. So you'll never be more closer. I'll be there. I'll give you dying grace. I'll be there that moment. Brother Norman Pfeiffer, when he slipped into eternity this morning, at 4.30 this morning, when his wife came in and saw that he was absent from that body, he was instantly present with his Lord. And God was there. I've had the joy to be at numbers of, of, of situations where someone slipped from this life into the next. But whenever someone is able to be conscious during that time, they're oftentimes will, will take their hand and, and beckon. And they'll say stuff like, they're, they're, he's coming for me. I see him. Sometimes when people are medicated, that doesn't happen. But oftentimes, when I've seen people that are just on their natural transition, they're oftentimes grabbing. He's coming for me. I can see him. You know why? Because Jesus is there in eternity future he's there when you die he's there in your life and he's there through your dark times they speaks about he said your dark times to god are just as bright as the noonday sun god is not confused about your trials he's there standing somewhere in the shadows you'll find jesus god says casting all your care upon me because i care about you Say, well, I was by myself. I know God's not supposed to give me more than I can handle, but he did that day. No, he didn't. There is no difficulty or trial taking you, but such is common to man. God is faithful. That means he's there. He's with you. 
What kind of God do we have? We have a God who knows everything. He's omniscient. He knows you intimately, everything about you. He knows more than your spouse knows. He knows more than your dad or mom know. He knows more than your son, and dad, your son or daughter know about you. He knows more than your best friend knows about you. He knows you intimately because he's all-knowing. He is everywhere. And then he says, you know, I'll tell you something else about God. He is omnipotent. He can do anything. Let's look at it real quickly and look at the next verse, if you would, please. We're looking at verse 13. For thou hast possessed my reins. He says, Lord, you knew what's on the inside of me. He said, you have that inside of me. My reins, speaking of my hearts or my innermost organs. Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee. For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret. Curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. It's a beautiful uh, way in which God says conception. He's talking about conception there. When I was conceived, you knew. Thine eyes did see my substance, and yet being imperfect, they weren't all mature yet. My little fingers were not out. The, the fingernails weren't on my fingers yet. My, my lungs, and my, my, they weren't formed yet. And a lot of things were developing. But in, my, in thy book, all the members were written. Which in the continuance are, were fashioned uh, when they were yet none of them. He said, Lord, see, you are the most pristine creation of God. You are nothing you, the galaxies of our, our planet are nothing compared to you. He made the world, he says on day number one, he said, let there be light. Day number two, he said, let's divide the waters from the waters and create distance between this planet and where I live in heaven. Day number three, he said, let's make the dry land appear and put trees and strawberries and raspberries and bananas and all those wonderful things, tomatoes and things of that nature. I'll put all the planet, we'll put a seed in each of those. And day number four, we'll make the sun, the moon, the stars. Day number five, we'll make the fish that swim, the birds that fly. And day number six, we'll make the animal kingdom. And then the Lord said, now, let us make man in our image. And he formed the dust of the ground and he made Adam with the ability, not a, tri not a dichotomy, but a trichotomy. Not just someone with a body and a soul like your dog has or your horse has or, or your, your cat has or your parrot has. A, a, a body and a personality. More than that, I want to make man a trichotomy like we are, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I want to give him an aptitude to worship to know me, to interact with me. Your dog, no matter how spiritual, they do not have dog churches. There are no monkey pastors. Now, there's some pastors that look like monkeys and act like monkeys, but that's not, and that's me. But there are no cat prayer meetings. They do not have, and I'm sorry to disappoint you. Some of you are really disappointed about that. You're looking down, putting your shoes on, saying, well, I'm done with this message here. But you're made in the image of God. And he says, here's how powerful I am. I'm going to put in a human body. And I'm going to form it in the dark places of conception and let it formulate. They say that the human mind has 10 billion um, 
the neurons, and they form at 25,000 every, uh, every uh, minute from the time they're conceived until they're born. For nine months, it comes to an amount of neurons in there and atoms, your DNA. They say that the human mind can store as many as two trillion words. That's more than the words of all the books in the Library of Congress can be stored inside of your brain. They've never found a computer that would have the ability of even some folks who may be challenged mentally some. It would take over a thousand supercomputers to come up with the ability and the thoughts and the code of one human three-pound brain. God showed how he can make anything. Your heart pumps, your lungs breathe, your liver works, your pancreas works, your kidneys function, and you never thought a time about that. They say in a lifetime, an average man's heart or a woman's heart will pump as much, few, much blood through their heart that would fill up the entire Empire State Building. And you never have to maintain it. You never have to. You, you, it, just, it just does it. And you does it when you're sleeping. It does it when you're awake. You have the ability to know God, to resonate with other people, to love, to forgive. Your dog doesn't have that capacity. You do. And God put his pristine power in making you and making me. That's the kind of God you got. He's omniscient. He knows everything. And he knows you intimately. He is not concerned about the future. He's already there. He's not scratching his head about society and its woes. The reason they're having the woes and the unrest is because we've gotten away from him. He is everywhere. He's here. He's in Phnom Penh. He is in this astronaut, in the astronauts that are in this space, as far as they are from us, he's there. The guy in the submarine, the deepest part of our, of our planet, he's there. You can't go anywhere where he's not there. And he's powerful. He's made all things and he put it in a human body. Your body and my body. And that's the analogy he gives when he talks about his omnipotence. With that knowledge, here's what I think brings us to a place of worship. Would you look at verse number 17? It's a beautiful song that's been put to music. It's the God put it to words, but Miss Zeta Torres put it to music. Let's read verse number 17 out loud. Can we please? Are you there with me? If you're there, would you say amen? Say out loud enough to wake up the person next to you, would you please? I'm just joking. Here we go. Verse 17, are you ready? How precious also are thy thoughts. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they are more than number than the sand. When I awake, I... I, I am still with thee. Here he says it brings him. When you understand who God is, when I understand, it will bring me to a place that will say, wow. How precious also are thy thoughts toward me. They're more than number. The reason we have such low worship, the reason we can't pray for, with, with, for, for a minute and a half without thinking we've been there for 20 minutes, the reason we have a problem coming to Sunday school the reason we have a problem finishing discipleship, the reason we have issues with being faithful on Sunday night or Wednesday night, 
is because we have a very low opinion of God's omniscience, his omnipresence, and his omnipotence. We're not there with how much he loves us. He cares about us. The reason we don't want to give to him or serve him or surrender our lives, we don't know who we're dealing with. He said, whenever I see how great he is, there's a couple things. Number one, I begin to worship. Number two, I begin to separate from those who are against worship. I'm not going to take a lot of time on that, but you can read the rest of the chapter and you can see that he talks some strong language about people who have decided they're against God. And he says, you know what? I think I hate them too. Not them, but that lifestyle. What's the Bible say? Love not the world. Neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father. If someone's going this direction against God, then I think I better just go ahead and separate and go over this direction with him. It changes. When I know who God is, first of all, I'm overwhelmed and I want to worship him. Number two, I will separate from those who do not have that same mindset. Can two walk together except they be agreed? And then I will practice holiness. Look at the last verses, if you would, of the Bible, of this chapter, and we'll conclude. Verse number 23. Search me, O God. Would you read it with me? 23 and 24. I think it'd be great to read it together and let it, let it set inside of us. Search me, O God, and know my heart. And see if there be any wicked way in me. He said, Lord, you know me. Now I'm going to let you lead me to living life in an eternal, eternally significant way. You know, all of us are living life. I'm living it and you're living it. But many of us, we live our life, and myself included, just for the nasty now and now. We're not being led in the way that's everlasting. Most of our 168 hours last week went into earth books. And very little goes into heaven's book. Jesus said, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And I think a knowledge of God, his knowledge, his omniscience, his omnipresence, his omnipotence, brings me to a place of worship, the Bible says that through desire, a man separates himself and seeketh in the middle of all. It, it separates me from things. Listen, if your stinking YouTube is keeping you from knowing God, delete it. If you're trolling Facebook hours every day and you're reading your Bible almost nothing, separate from it. You can actually live without it. I know that's surprising. If there are things that are just captivating and keeping you in an earth, an earth and absorbed by earth and the world and the flesh and the devil, separate from it. And say, God, you search me, you evaluate me, and I surrender to let you lead me in the way that's right and eternally significant. Oh, our knowledge of God will change the way we live, change how we forgive, it'll change how we function. It will change every. It's a game changer. That's why God tells us to grow in grace in the knowledge. If anyone wants to glory, glory in this, that you understand and know me. Do you know the Lord? Do you know him according to his own opinion of himself or just your opinion of him? 
Don't want to live there, friend. The most important thing about you and me is what comes to our mind when we think about God. It's a game changer. 